Naturopathic medical colleges emphasize the study of health as well as disease. They study health as well as disease. Why? Because you can't prevent anything if you don't know both. What is prevention in therapy? Um, it looks like setting boundaries. <laughs> it's just putting boundaries around the places in your life where you know you're going to get hurt. Welcome to Substance, not Psychobabble. I'm your host, Vanessa Landino. If you want to follow me on social media, the easiest place to find me is Instagram. I don't post a lot because I actually don't believe that you should spend your life looking at social media. So I try and post when I'm inspired to. And I realize that that results in fewer followers than I could have, but I don't care. <laughs> if you want to follow me on Instagram, there are some good tidbits on there around mental health. And my handle is Vanessa the Therapist. Okay, so we are nearing the end of a year. And as you look back on the year, it's time to do inventory. It is time to ask yourself, how did this year go for me, this calendar year? Probably not your birthday unless you were born on January 1st, but this calendar year, what did you accomplish? Where did you grow? What calamities or catastrophes or just hard times did you endure? Because if you endured them, then you survived. And if you survived, then you need to celebrate that. What friendships did you let go of? What friendships did you invest more in? What friendships did you create? How's your marriage or your primary relationship? Is it stronger coming into 2024? Is it weaker? Okay, so now it's time to do inventory. It's time to look back so that we can look ahead. And the old phrase, those who do not learn from history are condemned to repeat it, is true for individuals. That's why it's true for cultures and civilizations. You have to learn from your own history so that you don't repeat it. And I will tell you that making the changes you need to make in your relationships, putting boundaries in place, it's going to be hard. You're going to get pushback. People won't know where you're coming from. But that doesn't mean that you don't do it. It means you have to know your why. And the only way you're going to know why you're doing what you're doing in your life is if you spend time and think about it. So last year, I did the yearly inventory. Okay, those are back in the stack. Go to December of last year. There are four episodes called the yearly inventory go ahead and go back there listen to them with a cup of coffee or tea something hot and comforting if you're in a cold climate if you're in a hot climate something cold and refreshing sit there with a journal with a notebook and do the inventory take yourself through these questions and really look at your life okay that is not what we're going to focus on this week because you have those episodes. This podcast is what we call evergreen, which means it should always be relevant unless the science changes. And if the science or life or human beings change, then they become obsolete. But human beings really haven't changed that much in thousands of years. So I think that my podcasts from a few months ago are still relevant. Okay, here's what I want to talk about this week. I am launching a website and an entire leg of my business come January called Naturopathic Psychotherapy. And I wanted to take this episode to talk to you a little bit about this, not necessarily because of self-promotion, although that's part of it. I'm going to be transparent. I want you to get on board with this. I want you to get on board with it from a professional, from a clinical, and from a personally invested perspective. Why? Because it is my belief and observation, and I think we can all agree on this to some extent, that the field of mental health has lost its footing. It still does some things well. And from my observation, okay, it's my podcast, these are my opinions and my observation. 
from my observation, what it still does well is it's still focusing on the relationship between the therapist and the client as the primary tool for healing. And that is still true. However, the framework in which that relationship exists is important. Okay, you can have a very healthy relationship between a warden and a prisoner in a jail, and it might be healthy in the sense that it's respectful and they, you know, accord each other the dignity they both deserve as human beings. However, you still have one person who has all of the power and one person who's completely disempowered. And I'm not suggesting that that's a good metaphor for the therapeutic relationship. I'm just saying that in any relationship, you can have basically a healthy structure, but the institution itself can be healthy or not. Does that make sense? You can have a quote unquote healthy relationship between a pastor and a congregant, but if the theology of the church is backwards, it's not healthy in and of itself. And I think that's probably a better metaphor for mental health right now. Folks, the church is sick. (laughs) The field of mental health is sick. Um, I'm not going to take you through a lot of this history because I think we'll get in the weeds. And unless you're in mental health, this may not be terribly interesting to you, or maybe it is. But, you know, we went from understanding that people had a baseline of anxiety that they kind of had to live with as human beings. But then we noticed, I'm saying we, as a field, the field of mental health noticed that sometimes it was extreme in some individuals. And so they called that neuroses. And then Freud got involved and Freud was a trained physician. And so he started creating all these quote unquote diagnoses for what he was saying. And then we had something that was developed called the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, which is the DSM. It's the diagnostic manual that all therapists and psychologists and psychiatrists are trained to use. And you study it in graduate school and you have to learn how to diagnose people. And then, you know, somewhere around, I believe, the 60s, 70s and 80s in this country, the medical behemoth, I mean, the medical system kind of came into mental health and took it over. Really, I mean, it might have even been before that, but really that's when it took ground. I mean, it's when it took root. And we started diagnosing people and then Big Pharma got involved and they started creating all of these pills. And, oh, you have this, quote unquote, disease. You need to take this, quote unquote, medication. And the whole notion of getting to the root cause of a human being's distress was honestly lost for the sake of naming what was wrong with them, giving them some, this is my podcast, it's my opinion, BS diagnosis Okay, and then putting them on medications that are now masking the symptoms, but the symptoms are pointing to where the root cause is. So we, in my opinion, we lost our way. We stopped being about healing and we started being about servicing, managing. So when I was and I went around and around and around for this for years, what do I want to call what I do? Because what I do in therapy is partially my training. Okay, I was trained in a reputable grad school. It's KCREP approved. I have a real education in this field, and I actually had a 4.0 in grad school. I did very well in grad school. But I kept sitting there thinking, is this really the issue? I mean, take borderline personality disorder, okay? That's a pretty severe diagnosis. I mean, you're talking about someone who's got some really, really tough behavioral stuff going on. They're self-harming. They're suicidal. Their relationships are chaotic really emotionally dysregulated, like can't control their emotions. If they feel it, they act on it. If they feel afraid, they may lash out. And there's just a chaos that surrounds people with, quote unquote, the diagnosis of borderline personality disorder. 
And in working with people who have demonstrated traits, characteristics that could have otherwise earned them that diagnosis, what I've learned, and this is not new, most mental health professionals know this, is that there's a history of extreme trauma, very often around sexual abuse. There is a disturbed sense of self. There's a concept of self that is always on the brink of disaster. It's catastrophic. The fear of abandonment is with them every single day. And so by dealing with the root cause, by working with the traumas, instead of looking at the label of borderline personality disorder and saying, well, you do that because you have borderline personality disorder, we might say, well, I think you demonstrate this behavior because of this wound and this wound created this belief and this belief makes you think that you're always unsafe. That's the deeper work. Okay, and you would think listening to this like, yeah, that just sounds like therapy. Folks, it's not being done. It is literally not being done. I'm not tooting my own horn. I am not here trying to say that I'm some sort of remarkable therapist. I just look at human beings and I think, wait a second. You know, it's the old Thich Nhat Hanh quote. If you try to grow lettuce and the lettuce doesn't grow, you don't blame the lettuce. You look at the conditions why it's not growing. So then I looked at my path physically. You know, physically, I have been blessed, and this is a true blessing, and I'm grateful for it, but I've been blessed to be in very good health my whole life. I've never been on medications. Um, You know, I take an antibiotic here or there if I have some sort of something, but I can count on one hand the number of times I've had to do that in my life. And it's partially, I'm sure, genetic. It's probably epigenetics, which is how your genes express themselves in certain environments. But it's also because when I was in college and... I started eating at dining halls. I realized that I felt really, really bad after eating certain foods, and I felt much better after eating certain foods. And I started eating healthier. And then when I got out of college, I thought, well, I want to be a runner because I look so fun. People are running through Central Park. I lived in New York at the time. And I, you know, I think I've told this story on the podcast way long ago. But, you know, being a runner, the first time you run, you feel like you're going to (laughs) die. Like, really, you feel like you're going into cardiac arrest. You're like, oh, my gosh, this is so much harder than I realized. And then but you build it up. And I would run for two minutes and walk for two minutes and run for two minutes and walk for two minutes. And I would run for three minutes and walk for one minute. And before you knew it, I was running. I'll never forget the first time I ran a mile. It was a big deal. But then I realized, oh, I have to fuel my run. So if I'm eating really bad food, I don't feel as well when I'm running and when I eat really good food. So over time, I learned how to live healthy. Then I started going to therapy in my early 20s, and it became this sort of holistic understanding of the self. So when I was sort of looking at what I do and the way that I work, I kept noticing that when people took responsibility, full responsibility for their mental state, and they stopped blaming everything around them, or they stopped blaming their brain. Oh, I have a chemical imbalance. Okay, that's never been proven. Go back and listen to that episode. It's in the stack. I think it's called Now I'm Mad. It's not proven. The chemical imbalance theory was a theory that's now been debunked. It's not true. Okay, but what is true is that your environment from the time you're born till now, the breath that you're taking right now, has a huge effect on your mental emotional health. Folks, how could it not? How could it not? How can you not be the product of your environment? So while I was looking for terms, I kept coming back to like healing naturally. Like if you put a human being in a safe loving, nurturing environment, do they not heal? Because the body will. I mean, you've seen these documentaries. 
There's some new ones out now that I haven't seen yet, but I've heard they're incredible. But back in the day, I remember watching Forks Over Knives, you know, Fat, Sick and Nearly Dead. I mean, all these documentaries about how your food is either going to support your health or it's going to really give you a challenge with your health. Now, there are always people who can eat whatever they want. They never seem to get sick. But for most people, it catches up with you. Your 40s, your 50s, it really starts to catch up with you. All those life decisions we make up until this point start to catch up with us. You know, and I remember this quote by Hippocrates that I heard many, many years ago. Let thy food be thy medicine and thy medicine be thy food. Some of you have never heard that before. So I remember when I would, you know, have a symptom or when I wanted a physical, I would seek out doctors that understood nutrition really well. And what that brought me was to naturopathic doctors, okay? So very briefly, naturopathy as sort of a path of medicine was founded in the U.S. in 1901 by a man named Benedict Lust. His last name was Lust, okay? And he collaborated with other people, but they built this profession called naturopathy. And because of the medical establishment, even at that time, it sort of sputtered and faltered and then grew and then, you know, shrunk. But they did get a number of doctors who got on board and then it sort of went defunct for a while. They were trying to build colleges around it, but it declined and it declined mostly in the 50s and the 60s. And what you see in the 50s and the 60s, and this is just the cynic in me, but it's also history, folks. So let's not be naive. What you see in the 50s and the 60s is the uprising of big pharma and a pill for everything. So what do you know? Naturopathic medicine, which is your body's basic ability to heal itself, goes on the decline while drugs and medicating goes on the incline. Then it's got a rebirth in the 70s, no doubt after the 60s and the hippies and, you know, peace, love and the earth. You know, it sort of comes back in the 70s. But this time it's more grounded in medical sciences. Okay, so it's fueled by this new generation of doctors who are really interested in learning how food affects health, how food affects metabolic processes, digestive process. I mean, up until this point, remember the 50s and the 60s, everything was like a TV dinner. It's less of processed foods. We're getting away from whole natural foods and we're moving toward a more processed food model. Well, in the 70s, naturopathy comes back with a roar. And then by the time the 80s rolled around, it really regenerated itself. Um, I'm not going to go into all of that history because it's not really important for us here. But in 1986, the American Association of Nat Naturopathic Physicians is formed. Okay. And it's under the leadership of a doctor named James Sensenig, if I'm saying his name correctly. And a new certification is born in ND, a naturopathic doctor. Okay, so now we've got degree programs, you can major in natu naturopathic medicine, naturopathic homeopathy, all of this stuff. And, you know, the US Congress gets involved and they're running them through all these tests to make sure they're legit. And that should happen, right? We need some sort of governing body that makes sure that what's being put in the hands of the people is healthy for them. But as it goes, it becomes evident to everyone who studies naturopathic medicine that this did not start in 1901. It started thousands of years ago. 1901 coalesced the idea of naturopathic medicine under Dr. Lust, okay? But the ideas of naturopathic medicine, and I'm going to read the principles to you in a minute. Why? Because I believe we heal the same way mentally. Please let that sink in. 
You are living in an era where the field of mental health is ruled and governed by two bodies, the medical establishment and big pharma. That's where we are. Everything has a neat little diagnostic name and a pill that you can take for it. I mean, I've had clients come into session and tell me horror stories of being involved in the psychiatric world where they are given diagnosis after diagnosis, medication after medication. And I will literally ask them, did anybody talk to you about what was going on in your life? No. No, Vanessa, that can't be true. It is true. I hear it all the time. So they come to me and I honestly think I'm like a breath of fresh air. I'm like, okay, let's set all of that aside for a second. What was going on in your life right then? Folks, the river of tears that I hear because somebody's finally listening to them, the person, the life, the soul that's been affected by what's going on. And then I'll go deeper. Okay, well, what what happened in your childhood? Okay, now we've really got a place to go here. You are not a diagnosis. Is it useful? Maybe. I mean, it's kind of shorthand among professionals. We might use it, but honestly, I don't, I think it's dehumanizing. I think it's dehumanizing. I think it takes away from the very tender people that we are while we're growing up. All right, I'm going to get into the principles of naturopathic healing. The first is this, okay? The healing power of nature. And these are, okay, this is called the definitions and unifying principles of naturopathic medicine. And I am coming at this from a mental health perspective. The healing power of nature. Quote, the healing power of nature is the inherent self-organizing and healing process of living systems, which establishes, maintains, and restores health. Naturopathic medicine recognizes this healing process to be ordered and intelligent. It is the naturopathic physician's role to support, facilitate, and augment this process by identifying and removing obstacles to health and recovery and by supporting the creation of a healthy internal and external environment. Okay, folks, I'm just going to translate this. You ready? Here it goes. Mental health. The healing power of nature is the inherent self-organizing and healing process of living systems which establishes, maintains, and restores health. We're still on the same page. Here we go. Naturopathic psychotherapy recognizes this healing process to be ordered and intelligent. I'm talking about you. You are intelligent. Your body's ability to heal is intelligent. Your mind's ability to heal itself is intelligent. Going on. It is the naturopathic therapist's role to support, facilitate, and augment this process by identifying and removing obstacles to health and recovery. Hello, this is your therapist's job. And to support the creation of a healthy internal and external environment. You can heal naturally. That is the tagline of naturopathic psychotherapy. You can heal naturally. Principle number two, identify and treat the causes. Here we go. Illness does not occur without cause. Causes may originate in many areas. Underlying causes of illness and disease must be identified and removed before complete recovery can occur. 
Symptoms can be expressions of the body's attempt to defend itself, to adapt and recover, to heal itself, or maybe the results of the causes of the disease. The naturopathic physician seeks to treat the cause of the disease rather than to merely eliminate or suppress symptoms. Friends, are you getting where I'm going? That's the therapist's job. Let me read it again through mental health. Illness does not occur without cause. I want to cry right now. Are you listening? There's a reason you struggle. There's nothing wrong with you. Your struggle is you trying to heal. Going on, causes may originate in many areas. Underlying causes of illness and disease must be identified and removed before complete recovery can occur. What are we talking about in mental health? We're talking about underlying trauma and the belief systems that developed. The trauma has to be processed. The belief systems have to be removed. When that happens, complete recovery can occur. I'm not going to touch this sentence because this, symptom, this sentence is truth. Symptoms can be expressions of the mind's, okay, I changed one word, the mind's attempt to defend itself, to adapt and recover, to heal itself. And maybe results of the causes of the disease, the trauma, the hardship, the unresolved feelings, the toxic relationships, your symptoms are coming from there. The naturopathic therapist seeks to treat the cause of the disease rather than to merely eliminate or suppress symptoms. First, do no harm. This is the third principle. Do no harm. Again, I'm just going to follow. Naturopathic physicians follow three precepts to avoid harming the patient. Number one, naturopathic physicians utilize methods and medicinal substances which minimize the risk of harmful effects and apply the least possible force or intervention necessary to diagnose illness and restore health. Whenever possible, the suppression of symptoms is avoided as suppression generally interferes with the healing process. Oh my gosh, you guys, I could just explode here. Naturopathic physicians respect and work with with the medical establishment in diagnosis, treatment, and counseling, for if this self-healing process is not respected, the patient may be harmed. Okay, let's put that in therapeutic words. Naturopathic therapists, yours truly, utilize methods which minimize the risk of harmful effects and apply the least possible force or intervention necessary to diagnose illness and restore health. You know, people ask me a lot or they wrongfully assume that I'm anti-medication. I am not. I am not. I believe medication is helpful in crisis if you're not functioning and always with informed consent. Some of us are on medications and we were not given informed consent. We were not given the information that we needed to agree to take these medications. We're on benzodiazepines and we were not told how addictive they are. We're on antidepressants and we were not told how addictive they are and how hard they are to get off of in the long run. We were not told these things. We were not told what antidepressants do to our sex drive. We were not told what antidepressants do to our emotional health. 
But Vanessa, isn't it supposed to be restoring emotional health? No, it's suppressing symptoms. It's not restoring emotional health. It may restore a sense of like emotional balance, like you can regulate your emotions, but that's not really you regulating your emotions. It's the medicine or it's the drug is what it is. I am not anti any of that. I am pro informed consent. Anyone who is prescribed a psychiatric drug should be given robust knowledge on the short-term effects, the long-term effects, the potential for dependency, and the withdrawal pattern of these drugs. And if in light of all of that, you agree, I need this for right now, then take the drug. But without all of those steps, I believe it's unethical. This second principle here under first do no harm is so important. Whenever possible, the suppression of symptoms is avoided as suppression generally interferes with the healing process. Why? Because mentally speaking, your symptoms are pointing toward the wound. They're pointing directly in the direction of the pain. The pain is where the healing is. So I don't avoid symptoms. I don't want to suppress them. In fact, I do love, and I will say this without apology, I love when my clients say I want to start titrating off this medication. I'm like, great, because there's a whole layer of work here that we haven't been able to get to because of this drug. And number three, naturopathic therapists work with the medical system in diagnosis, treatment, and counseling because why? The patient comes first. If my client wants me to work with their psychiatrist, I will. I've done that before. Okay. Doctor as teacher. And this is interesting. The original meaning of the word doctor, this is the naturopathic medicine language. The original meaning of the word doctor is teacher. A principal objective of naturopathic medicine is to educate the patient and emphasize self-responsibility for health. Naturopathic physicians also recognize and employ the therapeutic potential of the doctor-patient relationship. And here we have the crux of why I wanted to do this today, okay? I am not a doctor. I'm not a medical doctor. And I also don't have a doctorate. I have a master's degree. So you may call me master. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> that always makes me laugh. Um, I'm a therapist. I'm a psychotherapist. Okay. The root word of psychotherapy is psyche and therapuo in Greek. Psyche means the mind or the soul. And therapuo means to heal. And that is the sacred calling that I believe I've been brought to, is to try and help heal the soul. Okay. So the original meaning of the word psychotherapist is soul healer. So let me reread this. Okay. A principal objective of naturopathic psychotherapy is to educate the client and emphasize self-responsibility for health. Naturopathic psychotherapists also recognize and employ the therapeutic potential of the therapist-client relationship. Folks, this is why I'm doing this group in January. Because we need an option outside of the medical system. We need it. Right now, what you don't realize is big pharma and big medicine is running your therapy appointments. Unless you're working with a therapist like me. And if you are, do me a favor, send me an email, give me their number. I need, I need comrades in the fight. I need other people to talk to because I have them here in Nashville, but I'd love to start a national network. Folks, this is why I'm doing this group. Because we need somewhere else to go. Just like patients who are struggling with illness. They need somewhere else to go besides a doctor who's going to say, here's your medication, here's your diagnosis, you have hypertension, here's your drug. Look, if that's what you need, that's what you need. But a naturopathic doctor is not going to do that. They're going to say, well, tell me about your lifestyle. Tell me about your stress levels. Where are the major 
causes of stress in your life. Is there a family history here? Is it genetic? Okay, there are some things that are genetic, all right? But they're going to say how much sodium is in your diet. Is there a way that exercising diet, can we bring this down naturally? We don't have that in mental health. Every therapist you go to is trained to diagnose and form a treatment plan around a diagnosis and not look at root causes. Folks, I've been there. I went through graduate school. We were not trained to look at root causes. It's insane. I exclusively look at root causes with my clients. Yes, I deal with their symptoms. They get coping mechanisms, healthy ones, for unpleasant symptoms. We do breathing exercises. We talk about journaling. We do very intensive focused trauma interventions. But we're looking at root causes. The field of mental health needs an alternative. You should be able to choose, I want to go to a naturopathic psychotherapist. I don't want one who's trained in using the medical model. Just like for those of us who are like, I don't want to go to a traditional doctor. I want someone who's going to look at my blood work, get into my nutrition, help me with lifestyle changes. I don't want to live dependent on drugs. I want to live healthy and free. Welcome to naturopathic psychotherapy. I am right now, to my knowledge, (laughs) the alternative. And others like me, and there are not many, I will be honest. This is why I'm doing this group. Because I want to educate people on how to heal internally. There are steps. There are stages. Yes, it looks different for everyone, but there are principles. There are universal principles of healing that apply to everyone. So, and this is the part that's self-promotion. I told you I'd be transparent with you. This is the rationale behind it. This is why I called it naturopathic psychotherapy, because I believe that when you give yourself the right conditions and you eliminate obstacles, and that's really hard because in mental and emotional health, that has to do with relationships. And that's hard because we get attached. But if we can create the environment we need to be in to thrive, I believe with all of my heart that just as the body heals, so does the mind. So if you want to be a part of these groups, send me an email. I'm going to put the link right there in the show notes. That's my contact page. Just send me an email. I'll give you all the information. Yes, it's an investment. It's 12 weeks. It's 125 per session. That's almost like half off what I charge for psychotherapy. Okay. And all of this is on my website. I'm not hiding anything. All right. I want you to know how much it is. For the first four weeks, we're going to focus on self-knowledge. Why? Because again, I want to educate you for the rest of your life. You need to know yourself and you also, wait for it, you need to know how to know yourself. You need to know how to dig in deeper with yourself. You need to learn how to get to your own roots. Yes, you pay a therapist to do that, no problem, but you can do that yourself as well. The second module, four weeks, is on self-compassion. Well, that sounds kind of fruity, Vanessa. Well, guess what? You can't heal without it. You cannot heal unless you see yourself as a human being who is worthy of compassion. What does compassion mean? Compassion is the why. Why did you do what you did? Why did you get married so many times? Why did you have so many failed relationships? Why do your kids not speak to you? Why did you cut yourself when you were a teenager? Why did you develop an eating disorder? Why, 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 why? That's where the compassion is. And I'll tell you right now, that why comes out of the first module, your story. 
knowing yourself. Once you know yourself and you've come out of denial about your story, you're going to get the why a lot easier. And the compassion that flows over you is like a warm bath. I never knew I was lovable. I never knew I could look at myself through eyes of compassion. And then the last module, four weeks, is self-love. Folks, you can't live without it. I remember when I was putting this model together, I was talking to a, my therapist. I went in to talk to my therapist and I said, don't, don't BS me now. He knows this tone of me very well. He laughed. And I said, no, don't. But like, this is what I'm thinking. And these are the, these are the pillars. Like it's self-knowledge, self-compassion, self-love. And I said, is it just me? Or do you not find that a lot of crap clears up when you learn how to really love yourself? I'm not talking about narcissistic self-promotion, self, the importance of self-expression all the time. No, that's narcissism. I'm talking about self-love, where you know yourself, you respect yourself, and you care for yourself like someone you really love. And when I said that, I said, is it just me or does a lot of crap not clear up when you get that? And he just smirked at me, which in his language is, you're right. And he's a veteran in the field. He's been around forever. Folks, I've been doing this for years with my clients. I know this works. And it's not an easy process. And I think if my clients could speak, they would say that. Because I do challenge my clients. I do challenge them to create the conditions in their life that they need for thriving. Like, do you want to be healthy or not? Because if you do, that relationship needs boundaries. If you do, you got to change careers here. This is killing you. Okay, there are big changes to be made. Just like if you want to be healthy physically, you got to make small and big changes sometimes. But it works. Hence the groups. I want to share these pillars of healing with everybody. You know, people have been asking me for information and I send them just a one sheet with all this on it. It doesn't have all this on it, but you know, the basic information. And what I said on the one sheet is the experience is 12 weeks. The transformation is forever. Why? Because you're going to invest time and money and energy with me for 12 weeks. But what you will take away with you, just like if you saw a naturopathic doctor who educated you on your own health, you would be able to live with this forever, reproduce these effects forever. The last few principles of naturopathic medicine, we're just going to fly through. It's treat the whole person, and that's just having a holistic understanding. Totally true in naturopathic psychotherapy. Prevention. This is the big one. In their language, it says, quote, naturopathic medical colleges emphasize the study of health as well as disease. Now, this is very interesting. They study health as well as disease. Why? Because you can't prevent anything if you don't know both. What is prevention in therapy? What does it look like? Um, it looks like setting boundaries. <laughs> very often, prevention is boundaries. It's just putting boundaries around the places in your life where you know you're going to get hurt. It might be avoiding certain relationships, which is a kind of boundary. Prevention is eating healthy, drinking water, moving your body and getting enough sleep. That's the holistic approach is that if your physical body is not healthy, don't expect your mental health to be profound. Okay, we are one being. So the naturopathic physician 
teaches the client, the patient, their patient, how to prevent disease by taking care of themselves. Well, guess what? So does the naturopathic therapist. Folks, this is what I want to bring to the world. This is what I'm about. This is the kind of therapy I do. This is why I started this podcast. And this is why I called it Substance Not Psychobabble. Because in my opinion, I would say 90% of the medical field and all that mental health is trying to do right now, I'm sorry, it's psychobabble. Look at the numbers. They're not getting better. I am interested in healing, and I am interested in you harnessing your own power to heal. But in order to do that, you need to know the fundamentals. Again, if you want to sign up for the group, great. If not, keep listening to this podcast. You're going to get a lot of that here. But this group starts in February 2024. I'm so excited about it. I've had lots of inquiries so far. Feel free to send me an email. And remember, your soul work is to discover who you truly are. That's the self-knowledge part. And it's ongoing. And learn how to love that human being. That's the self-compassion part and the self-love part. Thanks for listening. Okay, if this podcast speaks to you, I want you to do three things. Number one, I want you to share it with someone who really needs to hear it, okay? Number two, if you would, leave us a five-star review and a written review. Number three, subscribe to the podcast. It helps our ranks. It helps the charting. Folks, I can't thank you enough for listening. Till next time. Hope you have a wonderful holiday season. This podcast is recorded in Nashville, Tennessee and edited by Jared Bentley. I'm Vanessa Londino and you just listened to Substance, not Psychobabble.